hello, ladies and ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this episode number, oh, I think it's 117 of the Jake This, of Jake Johansson podcast. That's right, 117 episodes. That's a lot of episodes, and I'm a lot of man. I hope you're a lot of lady, or a lot of gentleman, uh, and thank you for listening. If you are a lot of a person, don't forget to crank it up right now if you're on the treadmill. Um, my guest this week is me. I don't, uh, I don't have time for another guest this week. In fact, I'm already a little bit late on this week's episode, and believe me, I know that. I don't need to be reminded of that, and I feel bad that I am reminded of that constantly because I, I'm trying to be responsible about this whole thing. I'm trying to be the guy who you can trust to have the episode ready for you at the moment when you're most ready for it. And uh, right now, I get it. I'm letting you down a little bit. Um, hey, special thanks to everyone who came out to see me in Seattle at Laughs in Kirkland, which is technically not Seattle, but we had a great time. And I appreciate that. It was, it was some fun shows. And that Friday Late Show, there was a terrible, terrible smell that assaulted the audience right at the end of the show. It's very rare for there to be a terrible smell at my show. So if you're listening to this and you're making plans for the future to come out and see a show and you're thinking, oh, my God, I didn't know there could be a terrible smell. Well, most of the time there's not a terrible smell, so just know that. Um, but, yeah, they were cleaning out the grease trap, which I didn't even realize was a thing. I thought it was I – th- when, when I was told that it was the grease trap, I thought it was some kind of ventilation thing, but it's some kind of a drain thing that uh, – screens out all the grease on grease on the drain and then uh, a guy comes in a truck and siphons it into a tank and man it gives off a whiffy odor that smells a lot like poo and uh, yeah it got into the room and I could not do my last joke I ended the show a minute early but the show was going long because it was a great night for all of us so uh, we made a sacrifice uh, and I think it was all for the best to get out of there a minute early in light of that smell or in smell of that smell. Anyway, that happened. I also had a fun time in Squim at a country club there with some <laughs> with some people who belong to the country club and some other people who live in Squim, which is a small place at the top of the tip of the Olympic Peninsula. And uh, it was a fun show and a beautiful environment. And thank you to everybody who came out to that place. And what you're probably wondering is, I've heard enough about good times that other people have had. How do I get to have a good time? And I'm happy to let you know that it's not that hard. You could come out uh, to Macomb, Illinois, Western Illinois University, October 17th. I'm going to be in the Grand Ballroom. It's a nice sound. That's music behind me, isn't it? November 6th through 8th, I'm going to be in uh, Denver at the Comedy Works. November 6th through 8th, Denver Comedy Works. November 13th to 15th, I'm going to be in Albany, New York at the Comedy Works in Albany, New York. Chicago, I'm going to be at Zanies December 4 and 5. December 6th, I'm going to be at the Zanies in Rosemont. And I don't know what happened to that music. It was We were rolling. We were having a good time. And then it just bailed on me, but that's okay. Uh, I'm going to be in Boston at Laughs Boston, and uh, you should come out to see that if you can. Um, I just wanted to prove that I still have music at my beck and call. Uh, Laughs Boston, 
December 18th through 20th. I th- I'm also planning another date around that Boston area and maybe a live podcast. So uh, please attend those if that's at all possible for you to do. I have to say, look, this week's episode is late because I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. I, I got back from this gig at the top of the Olympic Peninsula, and I was tired. It was a two-and-a-half drive, two-and-a-half-hour drive to the airport, the Seattle-Tacoma Airport, where they have a lot of camping gear and souvenirs on sale, and I had plenty of time to look those over because when you have to get there two hours early and you're compensating for a two-and-a-half-hour drive, there was minimum two-and-a-half-hour drive. Anyway, I was overwhelmed that night. My wife and I took our daughter to see Lord, who's a musical lady person, a young a young lady, and uh, she's got some hits. My wife is from New Zealand. My daughter loves Lord, and we went to the Greek theater where I performed last year, and I had forgotten how far that is from my house and what it took an hour and 40. It took me two and a half hours in the morning to get from Squim to the Seattle-Tacoma airport at 60 miles an hour, and then it took me an hour and 40 minutes to get from my house to the Greek theater at approximately four miles per hour. Oh, my God, L.A. Welcome back. Welcome back to the traffic. How bad do you want to go see Lord? And I have to say, I didn't, I really, my desire was not as high as it should have been for the concert. But luckily, my daughter kicked in and her desire level was very high. And she had a super good time. It's fun to take your kid to their first musical concert. I, I don't even remember my first musical concert. Who would I have gone to see? I remember going to see Steve Martin when I was a kid at the uh, at the auditorium in the town that we lived in in Wisconsin, which was, boy, that was a small, for Steve Martin to be playing a gig in that town, he was on a tour of the small parts, uh, or the big parts of the small world. I mean, it, it's a nice town, La Crosse, Wisconsin, but it's not a, it's not a giant town. It's 50, 50,000 people, I think, at that time. Anyway, it was he came there, and I saw him there. So my first concert that I remember was not a mute. Oh, no, I take it back, ladies and gentlemen. I went to see Carol King in Nashville, Tennessee, when we lived there, and I must have been 15 or 16. We went as part of a church group, and we stayed overnight. We slept in some kind of um, gymnasium thing. And uh, boys and girls all together in our sleeping bags, closely supervised by people who did not. I mean, look, you can forget about premarital sex. I mean, that's uh, this was we were teenagers and they had such a sharp eye. It didn't even occur to me that I I could even be having sex with another person at that time. But uh, there was no way they were going to let that happen. And uh, if you've ever gone to see Carol King, she can put you in the mood for that. Well, not really. Maybe if you're a. I don't know what I don't know what the deal. I don't know why. I think that was at a kind of an approved group for our church group to go in here, but uh, it was a fun it was a fun show. And then we did get to spend the night in a gymtorium in Nashville. So so that so which is exciting when you're a teenager as an adult now. If you said, "Look, would you like to drive fifty miles and then spend a night in a gymtorium with a bunch of people to go see?" Um, a soulful lady sing some songs, I would say, well, I don't think I have enough whiskey for that. Um, yeah, it just doesn't sound good. I'm, I'm not even looking forward to sharing a hotel room with another person. But uh, anyway, I, uh, 
I'm receiving transmissions from the Internet. I've left my phone on because this is a time when some other things could be happening. This is a time when a lot of things are happening. Boy, I can't even turn on the news. It's so we're all freaking about, out about uh, Ebola. I'm trying not to. I'm trying not to get freaked out about that myself because, of course, I would already be dead of SARS if I believed all of these things, or bird flu, or whatever the thing that was going to kill us before that was. But this Ebola really did. It's not kidding around. This doesn't seem to be something to be taken lightly. This seems to be something to be taken seriously. But so far. So good, as far as the Ebola goes. I haven't caught it. I, my understanding is that you really have to get some flu. You have to actually take a little sip of someone's fluids, or maybe not a sip, but you have to take a taste. You have to. You have to. It's, you can't just waft. Well, maybe you could waft them. I would. Let's let's just put it this way. Let's stay away from other people who might have Ebola at this point because it's dangerous. They got me a little worried about it. But I'm trying not to pay too much attention because the more you watch the news, the more freaked out you get. And you can't it's impossible to figure out how freaked out you're supposed to be from watching the news. That used to be what I thought their job was. Help me know how freaked out I should be. And the news doesn't do that anymore. I don't know how freaked out I am supposed to be. I'm I'm left to my own devices. So I feel like I spend more of my time more freaked out than I need to be. But I can't trust that feeling. I can't trust any of my feelings. They're just feelings. Those are just feelings. That's what we're told. Those are just feelings. They're not based on some kind of a rational thing that you can take to the bank, right? You can't take your feelings to the bank. If you could, I'd be rich. I could retire. I could retire on all the feelings I've had to this point in my life. But you can't take your feelings to the bank. Where can you take them? Well, you can take them to the beach, You can take them almost anywhere at night and have a good cry on a bench all by yourself. You can take your feelings to a therapist and talk to them, but that gets expensive. Believe me, I've tried it. Mm. I mean, I'm still trying it. I don't want to create a false self for you to to feel intimidated by. Uh, If that was going to happen, well, you're in the wrong place if you're looking for a false self to be intimidated by. I'm just trying to have a good time, and I'm trying to bring you along with me. But uh, yeah, I still go to the, I still go to the person who I talk to my feelings about. And I, sometimes I can't really be sure if they're solving if they're solving these feelings. I've been trying to meditate to think about that kind of thing, to sit quietly and breathe and close my eyes. And it's great if you've got the time for it. But I, I feel like as soon as I shut my eyes, man, this, you know, right before I shut my eyes to meditate, I feel like, man, this is going to be great. I'm going to take a little vacation from the world. I've got the time blocked out. I'm just going to do that right now. As soon as I shut my eyes, I can think of about a million other things that I've got to do. And right now, there's nothing like closing your eyes with the idea that you're just going to be quiet for 10 minutes or 20 minutes to make you feel like, man, I've got a lot to do. I don't have time for this. This is ridiculous. Who has time to close their eyes and do things? I don't. But I've been trying to do that. I haven't been super successful at it. But I've been trying to do it. I've been trying to stick with it. I try. I, oh my God! I was on the stupid airplane up to Seattle this week, and I got sitting next to a lady. First of all, um, she was amazed that I was able to get the exit or the uh, the window seat in the row. We were sitting in the row right behind first class. That's right. I was in coach, um, and uh, she was she was really envious i think of my window seat because she was in the middle rightly so the middle seat sucks and she was a lady of 
means. I mean, not enough means that she could get into first class. Or maybe she was one of those people. Maybe she was the kind of person who, I would have bought a ticket to first class, but I couldn't get up there. They were all sold out. So now I have to sit in the middle seat right behind first class next to you. Who are you? And that, there was a little bit of that in her attitude. And I said something like, I guess I'm just a special person. And then, you know, she wanted to suck me into a conversation about... What did I do? I had to tell her I was a comedian. I had to tell her. I've tried to lie about what I do for a living, and that just, there's, it's it's not good. You get down the road, because first you tell her, you tell, whatever you lie about, you'd say, oh, I'm a writer. That's a good lie to tell if you're a comedian, because you actually are a writer. But then they want to know what you write, and so then you got to make up another lie that's close enough to what you do that you know what the next answer to the next question is going to be. So you say you write for TV shows or something. But then they want to know what TV show, and then you, you then uh, you've, you've now you're now you're over your head because you either have to name a show and hope that they haven't heard of it, or make up a show that you know they haven't heard of. But then they're going to ask about it, so it's better to just say that you're a, a comedian. At least that's where I've got in my life. But then they want to know, you know, they're all trying to make a decision about are you are you worthy? Are you better than them, or are they better than you? That's look. How often are we in that conversation with another person in the world where? We or they are trying to figure out, look, am I better than you or are you better than me? I really try and stay out of that. And this is not for meditation, but I mean, anytime you're trying to figure that out, when I'm in traffic and somebody does some jackass thing that just pisses me off, you know, your first instinct is to honk or give them the finger or kind of be aggressive. And I try and then you look in the car and you think, well, I could do that if it's someone who's smaller or older than me. But I'm not going to do that with someone bigger and younger or meaner looking than I am. And then it feels like, well, no, I'm not a bully. So I'm just not going to do that. I don't want to get into a situation where I'm trying to figure out if someone else is bigger or stronger or more important than me. Because that shouldn't be how we decide how we're going to act towards other people in the world. We should decide how we're going to act towards other people in the world based on how we want people in the world to act towards us. How about that's the longest version of the golden rule I have ever articulated. But uh, but that's the way I feel. So I'm I'm trying not to get into that. But that's what happens on the airplane often. And I don't think this is me projecting myself, although I can hear you. The reason that I said that out loud is I can hear, I can sense. And this is part of the mind-reading aspect of my whole childhood. If you want to get into things that I talk about with a talking therapist, I'm trying to figure out what you're thinking, even though I can't even see, even though you are imaginary people from the future, from the point of view of where I am, I'm just in a room all by myself talking into a tiny, tiny metal thing. It's not, I shouldn't have said two tinies because it's, you know, it's actually about the size of a small glass of wine, not a not a not one of those wine glasses with a stem, but like one of the short ones that like you get at an Italian restaurant where they're being authentic. That's the size of the metal thing that I'm talking into, which is hooked up to my brand new phone. But I want to tell you about that later. I'm not not no, and also I want you to know that that is who you're dealing with. You're you're dealing with a person who has a brand new phone. So when you're trying to do that math to figure out if you're more important than me or I'm more important than you, just factor in the fact that I have a brand new phone. And it's bigger than my old phone. That's where I'm going. That's the direction that I'm moving in the world is my phone is getting bigger and it's new. So isn't that a good feeling? Um, What was I saying? Right. So I'm next to this woman and we're trying to figure out. She's trying to figure out. I mean, I don't really care. I've already decided. Look, I'm just trying to go to Seattle, sit next to the window, 
because that's where I like to sit, and I've figured out a way in the world to get to sit sort of where I like to sit. I mean, you know I really want to sit in first class, and who doesn't among us want to sit in first class? And if we can figure out a way to make that happen, we're going to. And God bless each and every one of us who's able to do that. In fact, if I didn't think that the people in first class thought they were better than me, I would high-five every last one of them as I went by. You won. You did it today. Today, this is good. We're on the same team, and I'm glad that you accomplished first class today. That's what I would do, but I feel like they would look down on me because they would say, we're in first class. Who are you to high-five us? <sighs> now you can see why I pay the big bucks to talk to the special helper lady. Anyway, so I'm sitting next to this woman. I'm a comedian. She wants to know how long I've done it. And so I just tell her, like, 33 years. And then I don't say anything else. I don't mention what shows I've been on or where I performed or anything like that because I don't have time for that. I, I'm, just, I'm just trying to get through my day. And that shut her down. She didn't want to, to but then she's reading her news, but she's got a bunch of newspapers and she's fidgeting them around. She's an older lady. I think I mentioned that. And she's, you know, she said she was older than my mother. And so I'm, I'm guessing she was around 80. That's where I don't want to tell you how old my mother is because that, frankly, I think that, uh, not that I'm protecting her from any of, of you, you don't, I don't think you know my mother. Are there people out here listening who know my mother? In which case, hi. Um, but I don't want to say how old my mother is, but I think this lady was around 80. And uh, she is reading her paper, and I'm trying to get into a magazine that I had that I was reading. There's a guy on the other side of her who's reading a book, which I know now was a book about a Navy SEAL because she asked him what he was reading. He was trying to completely ignore her, and I had already made the mistake of talking to her. And so she was engaged with me, but we stopped talking. We were both reading, and then she says, have either one of you been to Dallas lately? And I don't know what kind of question that is, but I'm, I'm, still, I'm still involved in trying to convince her that I am important and, and, and worthy of her uh, respect or, or that she should be jealous of me. Or why did I get to sit by the window? And the reason is because I have been to Dallas recently. I said to her, I have been to Dallas. And she said, when? And it turned out that it was, we were traveling on Wednesday. And I'd been to Dallas just the Sunday before. But I said to her, just the Dallas airport, why? And you know what she said? Ebola. Ebola. Because that's where the patient who has just passed away, I just heard the news this morning, uh, that, that uh, and I'm sorry I can't remember his name, and you should remember the people's names when you're mentioning that they passed away. We're talking about a person who's lost their life. I can't remember his name, but let me see if I can uh, Google, uh, Google this while I'm talking. And I have to say this microphone attached to my, um, my newest phone is uh, in the way a little bit of my computer. And so it's not as easy for me to, um, to figure out this gentleman's name, but I'm very close to knowing that. And so Thomas Eric Duncan has died, and I just got that news this morning. And, uh, and so anyway, that's who she was talking about. He had just gotten, uh, you know, they had... They had picked him up at his girlfriend or friend's apartment, and they had taken him in. What if there was a credit card? Do you see how that's how Googling can get you in trouble? All at once, you're listening to an advertisement when you just wanted to find out a guy's name, Thomas Eric Duncan, but I've had to delete that now or close that tab on my browser. Anyway, he had just been admitted to the hospital in Dallas, and, uh, you know, it is the person that he was visiting 
there was in quarantine with her two kids and she she said when's the last time you went to dallas and she i said why and she said ebola as if we're all in danger of ebola duh ebola and i said something like uh, well i was just at the airport so i don't think i have ebola and she says and something about it my understanding of it is it's not that contagious or something and then she said well if you believe everything they tell you you believe that but i don't believe everything they tell you and I said, well, you're reading this in the newspaper, so you're believing something that someone has told you that you came up with it. But I didn't want to push it too hard. And then she said some more stuff that was borderline racist about keeping people from coming into the country and African countries and whatnot. And I, I just didn't want to, I don't want you know, it's a two-hour flight. I don't want to argue with some older lady on that flight. And that's not because I think I'm more important than her or she is less important than me. It's just like, I don't have time to argue with people on airplanes about racist aspects of disease, uh, diseases getting uh, transmitted around the globe on, on air travel. But I, but I said something to try and, you know, it's like, I don't, I don't think it's that much or you can't throw people out. And she was, if you believe that's what they tell you. And, oh, my God, it was... It just wasn't so great. So I finally decided I sucked back into my magazine, and then she asked me a couple more questions, and I just wanted, didn't want to talk to her. And she said, well, you're being, being awfully agreeable. She said, now she's criticizing me for not disagreeing with her. And uh, so then I turned off my uh, – I closed my magazine, and I turned on the meditation app on my phone because I thought I'll just meditate. I had downloaded this meditation app that my new friend, my old friend, my new, uh, my new newly in contact with old friend, uh, Wendy Liebman, who I spoke to last week on the podcast, had told me about this meditation app. So I turned that on. It's got these preloaded guided meditations. This could be 10 minutes. So I turned that, I closed my eyes. I put on the meditation app. I'm sitting there with my arms crossed. We've already received our beverages. She's reading her paper. So she's not only reading the paper, but she's organizing and reading sections and then folding the other ones up under the other section and uh, then she's got a magnifying glass <laughs> she's got glasses on and she has to use a magnifying glass to read with the glasses to be able to get this information out of the p newspaper to develop her racist and paranoid ideas about contracting Ebola it's like look you're 80 years old <laughs> what's the worst that you get Ebola you've had a good life look you know I can tell by your jacket and that uh, brooch that you're wearing that things are kind of going your way plus she had mentioned she'd been a dentist and some other stuff about the LA riots where she had lived for a time that was again not so not so uh, tolerant and uh, so I've got my eyes closed I'm trying to meditate and just not be there with her and then all at once I hear her say, whoa, and then I can feel my leg is wet and hot. And she has spilled a hot coffee on my leg, kind of soaking my pants. And she's completely flustered and trying to clean up. And we're not in first class, so the flight attendants haven't finished going around with their beverage. So they don't really give a damn about us and our moisture leg moisture luckily i was wearing black trousers so i didn't get uh, you don't ever want to wear your white pants on the plane just because some nutty lady next to you could spill coffee on your leg so she spills coffee so i have to stop meditating because now i got hot coffee on my leg and i don't care how equanimous and uh, and settled you are in zen yogic you become somebody spills hot coffee on you while you're meditating you're going to have to stop. And I didn't stop and want to get in a fuss with her, but then, or get mad at her or anything, but I was trying to wipe my leg off and I had some napkins that I'd saved in my pocket because 
I'm always saving the extra napkins that they give you in my pocket because I can't bear to throw them away because my wife has a degree in environmental studies and I want to save the planet by not just throwing away my extra napkins but like waiting for them to use so sometimes I'll even have a napkin that I've used on the back to catch the dribbles coming out of the back of the coffee sometimes you put a lid on the coffee and the seam is back there and coffee can dribble out the back so you put a napkin back there so you don't get dribbles on the back of your hand and then I'll save those napkins that are a little bit wet but I'll set them down they'll dry out I'll put them in my pocket I've saved those so I've got some napkins to clean up her ridiculous coffee mess but she is so busy telling us about how mortified and flustered she is at the fact that she spilled her coffee and she never spills her coffee and it just feels terrible to be a person of a certain age who's now spilling their coffee on their newspaper with their magnifying glass on the airplane on the way to Seattle wearing too many jackets. How could she possibly be fucking cold? Excuse my French. But uh, she's so busy telling me about her own issues and upsets and feelings about spilling this coffee that there's not room for me to have any feelings about the fact that, look, all I'm trying to do is just zone out and get through the next two hours sitting next to a person who I disagree with and who is slightly bugging me, and then they spill coffee on my leg. How does that make me feel? Well, who cares? She doesn't care. I re- Hello, lady. Oh, uh, what? That's right. I'm back. Guess what happened? Well, we've got a uh, we've got a little situation here where I'm a part-time landlord, not a part-time lover, a part-time landlord, and so I got a phone call from the person who's moving into our house, and and so that happens, and I had to stop doing the podcast on my new phone, my new big phone, which is bigger than my old phone, so. I know that you were, I know you were looking up to me and admired me, and uh, we were enjoying each other's company there for a minute. And now, what's happened is all that great stuff that I thought was really terrific has turned into a liability because I was going to produce this whole thing on my silly phone, and then I was going to be able to launch it onto the internet straight from my silly phone. But what happened? Well, of all the words of mice and men. The saddest are. It might have been. And the reality is, is now, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to try and piece this all together and then stick it onto the internet the way that, the way that, and in the best way that I can, in the best way that I can. And I think I'm going to be able to figure something out, but I don't know what it's going to be. So I'm going to be technologically challenged. And that can, well, that's how we got to the moon, ladies and gentlemen. We did not get to the moon because we thought we could do it. We wondered if we could do it, and then we believed we could do it, and then we figured out how to do it, and then we did it, and then we decided that there wasn't really any reason to be doing that after we'd done it a few times, and so we stopped doing it. And now I think we've forgotten how to do it again. And so if we decided we wanted to go to the moon again, it would be a lot like me trying to figure out how to put that other part of the podcast that you've just listened to and this part of the podcast that you're now listening to together to make a full episode. It wouldn't be easy, but, you know, if you don't have a dream, how are you going to have a dream come true? That is, that's the question that I pose to you in my own voice and not in the voice of Bloody Mary from the musical South Pacific, but that is, uh, that is the song of hers that I really 
Um, if you don't have a dream, how you gonna have a dream come true? Okay, that was a little bit of South Pacific, and uh, if you didn't know that I was older than you, you do now. <laughs> anyway, we're just trying to have a good time, and I can't, you know, I wish I could go back and listen to what I was saying before that phone call happened, and I did try and remember that when I started this part of the podcast again, I tried to think, look, what was happening? Let's go back to that time when I was sitting next to a lady who spilled coffee on me and interrupted my meditation, but then I decided, you know what, I'm going to do now what I should have done then, and what I ended up actually doing was just forget about it, just forget about it, get on with your life, and do, do what's got to be done. And that's what we're doing now is what's got to be done. Thank you so much. I hope you're having a good workout. I hope you're having a good walk around the block. I hope you're having a good, well, you could be having Christmas dinner for all I know about what you're doing when you listen to this. But I hope that you're, I hope that you're enjoying it or that this is helping you enjoy it slightly more. Anyway, last night, what did I do? After I got home, my wife and I took our daughter to see a Lord in concerts, and I didn't. I didn't mean to badmouth Lord. She put on. She put on a great show, but she's 18 years old, and uh, so what she has to say to me about how to be a person that I feel like is relevant is pretty limited. And what she's interested in me telling her about how to be a person is the null set. That's zero. She doesn't care what I think, and in fact, how to figure out who cares about what who thinks is easily determined by how much. Who paid for a ticket to see the other person? And that was me paying a significant amount to listen to her tell me what she thinks. So, in fact, even though I say I don't care about it, I did care about it enough to pay that money and make that drive across town to listen and to see and to be told. And I'm telling you, if you're over 40, save yourself a trip. But if you feel strongly that you disagree with me, then, in fact, I admit that I'm wrong and go for it. Enjoy yourself. Look, we're not, life is short. Don't let me tell you what to do. Anyway, we went to see Lord. Then this morning, this is my, the podcast episode is late because that happened. And then the day after that was yesterday, which is when I should have been doing this podcast, but I was overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed and ass whooped by life. I just could not bring myself to sit down and talk into this little machine, even though that was the day when I received my new phone, bigger than the old phone, and I felt special and happy about myself because material things can bring you short-term bursts of happiness, but they're false. They're not real. I'm not really happy in the longer term because I have this phone, but uh, it did make me happy a little bit yesterday for a while, but in spite of that, I couldn't sit down and do the podcast, and I didn't, and I, I feel like I let you, I let all of us down a little bit, but in a, in a way that I feel like we're used to we can be let down in those kind of small ways because i'm at it today doing this but yeah i could i could just exercise and try and get my shit together and i feel like that's what i achieved in in order to be able to get up this morning and find out uh, that that uh, thomas eric duncan had passed away from ebola and then take my daughter to the dentist to have one of her teeth extracted which was very brave of her and i i don't I had my wisdom teeth out, and I was quite a bit bigger than her. So I, I, she was, I was really proud of her. It had a root on it, this tooth, which is not like baby teeth to have a root, but the way it was in there in her mouth, I don't want to freak you out or make you imagine a child's dental problems when you've got your own problems. But anyway, we went and we had the, the tooth extracted. You know, when she goes to the dentist, she gets to watch a movie. 
and it was the Lego movie, which she had seen, but I had not seen. And it was hard for me to concentrate on it, frankly, because I was concerned about my daughter. She was getting her tooth out. She was a little worried about the Novocaine, and they did give her a little bit of uh, laughing gas, which they never give me. And the dentist said a lot of these adult dentists, the dentists for adults, and also adults who are dentists, um, are not uh, qualified. They're not checked out on the laughing gas. And it's really a shame because it can take a lot of the anxiety out of dental work. And in fact, that's what I'm looking to do is to take the anxiety out of dental work. And I've ruled out alcohol as a solution to that. Um, and not by trial and error, as I might have, you might have thought that I was trying to imply or you inferred from what I just said. But I've ruled out alcohol. That's more of a nighttime fun thing, but it doesn't, it's not going to help you at the dentist, I don't think. If you disagree with me on that, you know, live your own life, make your own choices. But, uh, I had considered uh, pot for the dentist, but then also, you know, you don't want to be making decisions on whether or not you should grab a guy as he's got a sharp thing in your mouth when you're under the influence of a drug, unless it's a drug that's in, administered by that guy who's got the sharp thing in your mouth. Which brings me back to, I wish my dentist had some nitrous oxide because I saw the effect it had on my daughter and it seemed like she could tolerate the needle with the Novocaine a lot better. And she didn't even know when they were pulling her tooth out. It was so awesome. So if you're a dentist who administers laughing gas and you're in the Santa Monica area, I'm asking you, please, to tweet me at Jake this because I would love to make an appointment to come and just get my get my teeth clean. Nothing sexual. I'm not looking for that kind of a dentist to, uh, I don't think that actually happens to dudes, but maybe it does. Maybe it does. I shouldn't sell myself short. There's probably plenty of dentists who want to sexually abuse me, and uh, I'm not asking for that. I don't want that. That's out. I just would like a little nitrous, nitrous oxide when I'm getting my teeth cleaned, if you don't mind. Is that so much to ask in this world where we could all have someone cough on us at the Dallas airport and wind up dead with Ebola within a week? Is that so much to ask? Could I just please get a little nitrous oxide when I'm getting my teeth cleaned to take some of the anxiety out of it? Please. Thank you. And I don't think I have a problem. <sighs> That's the first step, admitting you have a problem. Hmm. Delicious. Boy, this coffee is really down to the temperature where you can just glug it down. Anyway, um, I don't know. Oh, so then last night... Prior to the dentist today, after my day of getting my shit together and before we took our daughter to the dentist this morning, my wife and I watched a movie called Damn Nation, which is a documentary about uh, all the dams that we have in our nation. And it's some tense, like 70,000 dams over three feet tall in the United States. It's more than one dam a day since Thomas Jefferson built the Declaration of Inde built the Declaration of Independence. He built it with words on a piece of paper, but he wrote it. He wrote it. That's how most people say that. But I said built it because I was talking about dams, and all those dams were built. There's a lot of dams anyway, and there. And I was I thought that these dams were beneficial and that we needed dams. But uh, hi, honey. Oh, it's five minutes till I've got to go take our daughter to gymnastics. Do you want to come in and talk about damnation for a minute? Yeah, damning the dams. Damning the dams. Yeah, damn the dams. Yeah, so yeah. you describe what that movie was about, but please lean in a little bit. Describe what it was about? Okay, Damnation is a movie about the overdamming of America. The Bureau of Reclamation went nuts last century, and as far as they were concerned, 
an unmanaged, undammed river was a waste and... A damn shame. Yeah, a damn shame, a damn nuisance, mm-hmm. you know, w- not worth a damn. Well, know. but they built all these dams, I always thought, because they needed hydroelectric power. They were trying to provide easy transportation of goods and people to places that, that making the rivers navigable or, and whatnot would be beneficial to. But in fact, they just built them to build them a lot of times. Yeah, I mean, they always ostensibly had some reason, but those four that we saw, what were they called, the sweat dams or the... Up on the Snake River. Yeah, yeah. it's on the Snake yeah, River. Yeah, those four are just completely egregiously terrible. But the thing now is we have to take them out because they're, you know, they're more causing more damn trouble. Than well, they're messing with our fish. We could be, all of us who enjoy a nice salmon dinner. Yeah, yeah, they're messing with the salmon. But it's more than just that. I mean, they flooded out, you know, huge, you know, vast areas of natural beauty. They just drowned those. I mean, they've absolutely wrecked the Indian's way of life. On the as if the white man, you know, they, they, there's actually a guy in the movie who calls, you know, if you've got any invasive species up there, and what does he call us? White lice. He says white he calls mice. them white mice, and then he laughed super hard, like that yeah. was a real terrible insult to call someone a white mouse. But it's true because what we did was, and the thing is, we signed we all are these the treaties. Invasive species. We did sign all these treaties. We said we wouldn't take away. You know, your fishing and your way of life. And, of course, we completely wrecked it because we flooded all the areas where they had fished before. And we made an absolute mockery of, you know, but what's, hey, what's different people? What's new when you're, you know, effing over the uh, the natives? You know, that's just Well, now, this, the look, course. I feel like you're trying to take credit for something that we weren't really responsible for. And I'm not, I'm sort of against. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of sad that we did that yeah, on no, the one hand. I on know, the I'm, other a, hand. I'm a white person who wishes that white people 100 years weren't building all those dams. Absolutely. I'm well, I you. wish that we hadn't built the dams, but we needed to come here. Uh, you know, we came to the United States and we came to New Zealand. When I say we, I mean. My, my people. Us, my people went to New us Zealand. Us fair skinned yeah, people from yeah. the. I mean, Euro- I'm, yes, European I went there for, yes. Anyway, but so the movie is about dams and about how now there's a movement to take out dams. Of the 80,000 we have in America, so far we've taken out 748. It's hugely logistically difficult and, of course, can cause a lot of problems. But then when you look at the watersheds and when it's, you know, when they've been restored. And I just hiked into Malibu Canyon to the Ringe Dam to haul plastic garbage out of it and an absolute labor of love for the ocean. Was this out of the back side of the dam, or just was this trash that people had left in there? Was it this pinned is up all the people the now who go in there to dam jump and perfect their gainers? Do you know what a gainer is? I do know what a gainer is. Yeah, and I've I never didn't. heard of dam jumping, but uh, yeah. cut it out is all yeah. I can say. Well, no, cut out littering because the thing is, here's the thing: is we know dams are dumb in hindsight, but littering is always dumb. So listen, people who want to litter, don't. And the thing is, you know, littering unfortunately now is. You know, dams are forever. I mean, they're not. We can bust them down. People sort of think littering is this transient problem, but it's not when you look at plastic because our oceans are full of it thanks to people who leave it in places like the Malibu Canyon, get washes out to sea, and now we have 46 to 1. That's the number of plastic particles to plankton in the Pacific Ocean, everybody. 46 to 1. 46 plastic, plastic particles to, to one, one plankton. piece of plankton. Yeah, we are starving and throttling our ocean. It with should be the other plastic. way around. Allow me to say that. Yeah, you are smart, man. Let's give you a high five. <laughs> for You got that one right. You go to the top of the class. I'm going to give you a prize later. I'm not telling you what it is now. I am. I high hope five. it's sexual. Hey, you stop now because you've got to take the kids to... I've got to stop now because I've got to take uh, our daughter and her friend to a gymnastics class, and I'm going to bend over backwards to make that happen. Do you get it? I hope so. I do it for you. I hope you get it.
thank you so much for listening to this week's episode, uh, such as it is. I care for you very much, and don't give up. There will be plenty of time to give up later. Don't let this thing about the plastic and the plankton get you down, because we're going to outlive that problem. There may be some people on Earth who don't, but we're going to do our best. So thank you so much. I will see you next week. Yeah. Okay. It was all right. We did it. Check this.